For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's Monday. Welcome aboard the National Football Show. It's your boy, Dan Cilio. Four games remaining in the NFL season. We're here. Final quarter poll of the season. It's going to tell us a lot about the NFL playoffs. The NFL draft. The future of the Eagles. The future of Jalen Hurts. We're now getting to that time, okay? We are clearly here. Now, before we get going here, I got to throw this out from last night's game. Remember how I got on Nick Sirianni for situational play calling? What was Cliff Kingsbury doing last night, throwing the ball as many times as he did? You have one of the top running attacks in the NFL, and what are you doing? You're throwing the ball because you fall in love with throwing the ball because that's who you are. The Rams are set up to be run over. It was a one-score game, 30-23. Rams end up getting the win. Why? Because the situational play calling did not side on the side of the Arizona Cardinals last night. What were you doing, man? The kid Connor has been a steal for you. Run that ball between the tackles. Nope. There is something about today's play callers. And something about today's organizations, the Eagles fall in line with this every single year. They want a quarterback who can throw the ball down the field. Instead of sitting there and doing the one thing that controls the clock and yards per carry and also field position, and that's running the football. The running game dictates that. They got out of their... Last couple of games and what they're trending was doing was running the football so well. What are the top teams in the NFL running the ball? Man, they completely got away from it again. And then he gave the opportunity for the Rams to win that ball game. By the way, I'll say it one more time, and Xander and I were texting back and forth. Aaron Donald is a fabulous pass rusher. He is. He is a spectacular pass rusher. Three sacks last night. He was fantastic. Okay? But when you line up and you run at him, he runs behind blocks. He's out of position. You get gaping holes in his line where he lines up and in his hole there. I mean, if he lines up in the A gap or the B gap, you run right at him. There's gaping running lanes. Okay, he's not a 
he's not a versatile defensive tackle like we used to see back in the day. And that's why I said at the beginning of the year, one of my favorite players was Fletcher Cox because Fletcher could pass, rush the passer and play the run. They get the win last night. Also, before we get going here, guys, I'm going to get to you guys here in a minute. Um, so Jerry Jones comes out today and says that Dak Prescott's struggling. Okay? I'm, I'm going to take all the minutia because he did his radio show, and I believe that he does it every Tuesday in Dallas. The owner of the football team comes out saying that his quarterback is struggling and that the offense is struggling. What's the point of that? What's the point of Jerry, the owner of the team, coming out and saying that his quarterback is struggling? These are the kind of things that get in the way of the Dallas Cowboys' success. This is the meddling part. You know, it's one thing for a coach to go like this. The guy's got to pick it up. He's got to pick it up. It's another thing for the owner and the guy who pays the bills to come out and go like this. Yeah, Dak's struggling. And you're like, why? What's, what, what is absolutely the point to this? What's the point? All right. Guys, special guest, hour two. Seth Joyner will join us. We'll get his thoughts on the Philadelphia Eagles. That'll be around 5.30 Eastern time. The great Seth Joyner will join us. I want to throw this topic out at you, and I want to kind of revisit this. Gary Cobb and I kind of hit on this a couple weeks ago, and I want to hit on it again. We got four games remaining, right, of the NFL season here. These are going to be, and even yesterday, Gary made the comment about these next couple games here are really going to tell us, you know, a lot about Jalen Hurts, about the organization, the direction that they need to go in, evaluating players, who stays, who goes. I think there's going to be a lot of movement on this roster when the Eagles get to the offseason. And maybe they get to the playoffs. I don't know. We're going to throw this out here in a second here, but there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made. Xander and I were just talking about it. And I thought there was something that he really threw out there that was important that kind of goes into my topic. You know, how he showed up at the Pitt-North Carolina game a couple weeks back, right? Had binoculars. He was evaluating. The whole situation, right? Bottom line here, we're going to say this to you here. Xander's right. If the Eagles fall in love with one of these guys, there's no doubt they're going to draft somebody in the first round. There is no doubt they're going to draft somebody in the first round. These next four games, tell me, is it more important? I want to revisit that topic we hit on a couple weeks ago. Now that we're here, four games remaining, is it more important to make the playoffs? Or do you think it's more important to get a quarterback decision? What is the most important thing right now? for that organization to figure out. What is it? Is it figuring out he's the guy? Or is it, let's make a run at the postseason? You never know. And in a year like this, think about this for a second, guys. Watch this. In a year like this, doesn't this remind you of 17? There's no clear-cut team out there this year in the NFL. There is absolutely no clear-cut team. Is it more important for the Eagles to get that quarterback decision and to figure out what that is or to make the playoffs? What do you think?
All right, guys, do me a favor. You guys have been great. Hit the like button, please. Unbelievable the facts that you guys have made this show one of the fastest growing sports shows on YouTube, man. And we so thank you, all the great viewers and people that tune in to Jacob Media. Thank you guys so much, man. We really appreciate it. Hit the like button. Now, if you're new to the program, okay, you bring up topics, I bring it in. You guys are part of the content. I got a boatload of stuff here today, too. Huge questions for Seth Joyner in hour number two. You tell me and how you respond to our topics. We put that part of the content. So here we go. Michael, why make the playoffs just to get destroyed in the first round and ruin our draft spot? That's a great spin. Xander, that's the way you kick it off right there. Guys, the more you have success, the more you move down in the draft. You can have three first-rounders, which is fabulous. It's fabulous assets. But the more you win, the more that comes down. Remember at the early part of the year, there were three picks potentially that could have been in the top ten. Okay? Saint, thank you for coming aboard. I appreciate it, man. Houston, hey, just want to win as many games as they can. Then draft or trade for a quarterback next year. Muhammad says, what up, everyone? It's all good here, man, as we're in this holiday season. Man, I love it. Woohoo says, how many wildcard teams have won the Super Bowl? More than enough. Absolutely. Buccaneers are the latest team to do that. Buccaneers won the Super Bowl last year coming out of the wildcard spot. The Saints were the division champs. Michael says all three picks will be mid to late rounders. No, earlier in the year, though, Michael, they weren't. They were early round. They were like in the top 10. Remember, they were going by record, and at the beginning of the season, the Eagles didn't have that great a record. MJ says, you owe it to the vets like Fletcher Cox to make the playoffs. Any chance you get players needing to get experience in the playoffs, this will benefit them in the years to come. That's a great take. Learning how to win. See, I think that's a great spin. Because you know why? You don't want to learn to tank. you got to learn to win. You're trying to create a culture. That stupid thing they did at the end of the year last year, when they sat their starters in that Washington game, was one of the worst looks I've ever seen for an NFL team. Absolutely. You don't want to go through that again. You want to win. Hey, by the way, you said that they don't want to embarrass Fletcher Cox. How about all the Eagle players a year ago that were embarrassed sitting on the sidelines at Lincoln Financial when it came time for all those guys to sit on their ass? That was embarrassing. The organization was embarrassed. Okay? Lawrence says, this might be the most dramatic offseason for all 32 teams. There's no question, man. This offseason, with all the quarterback potential movement, and then on top of that, you're talking about all the assets that Philadelphia has. Like I said, hell, man, right now you guys are $20 million under the salary cap, and with the projected cap going up and cuts and moves and such, you're, you're going to be around $50 million of salary cap space. It's going to be insane great. 
and you have 11 draft choices, and you've got three first-rounders. But how important, and I, I think some of you have it perfectly said here, dude, you can't, whenever you get an opportunity to get a chance to be a playoff football team and to get that experience on your team, hey, guys, take a look at this. Do you think the lack of being a championship-type experience that Georgia had in that Alabama game, you think that played a factor on how Georgia played tight? You bet it did. Georgia played tight. And Alabama had been in that moment. They live in that moment. They practice in that moment. Their players understand that moment. And the more you're in that spotlight, the more it becomes commonplace for you. Why do you think when Brady's playing in the Super Bowls, Brady has the calmness of any guy you've ever seen. He's like a surgeon going in to do heart surgery on someone. Nothing's going to throw that, guys, because he's seen everything. He's practiced every game situation. The Eagles don't want to let that go either. Hey, you got a chance to make the postseason? Okay? That is so critical for experience on your football team. Muhammad says, Dan, it's make or break time for Jalen in these next four games. Big Chris says, Eagles are mostly young guys. Getting to the playoffs would be huge for their confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be enormous being able to get to the postseason. The experience level alone. But how would, guys, and hey, and maybe this, right? Let's go here with this. Maybe at the end of the day, they make the playoffs. It answers the question on Jalen. Did you hear the comments that Doug Peterson said about Jalen? He kind of waffled them a little bit. I think he was on a Philadelphia uh, radio show, or he was talking about uh, Jalen Hurts, and someone asked him the question about Jalen Hurts. And, you know, he's like, I think he can get there. Doug Peterson's not sold completely on him either. Okay, watch this. When you see a good-looking chick, she walks by you. Do you do this? Well, she's kind of decent-looking. Or do you do this? That girl is spectacular-looking. Okay? You don't need to put a Twitter poll up to go like this. That girl's smoking. Okay? You don't need that. You need to have clarity in something like that, correct? Man, that girl's good-looking. Man, that's a beautiful-looking car. Man, that's a beautiful home. Don't waffle around on that. you got to have clarity when you're talking about situations like this. And Doug doesn't have clarity on him. He's like, I think he can get there maybe. I mean, that's, that's a lawyer's answer. That's a lawyer's answer, right? Well, I think he maybe can get there. Greer says, big sales, crazy. Hey, well, oh, wait a minute. Greer, you're just figuring that out, right? MJ says, why not us? No perfect team this year. Dude, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I watched the Rams last night, and I went like this. Can that Rams team beat anybody? Yes. But can anybody beat that Rams team? Yes. Can the Bucs be beat? Washington beat them. Team the Eagles are playing this weekend. Washington beat them. Kind of beat their pants off them, too, a little bit. Can anybody beat Dallas? You got the owner saying we're not playing real well right now. Packers, maybe the best. 
But who knows? Aaron Rodgers won in four in conference title games, right? Arizona, Arizona did more harm for themselves last night with everybody doing something like this, right? We were all going like this. Oh, I don't know, man. You know, all of a sudden, you're now saying this about Arizona. I don't know. Correct? With all those stars that they have on that team. Okay? So, again, let me ask the question one more time to you here. These four games, this final this final quarter poll of the season, playoffs or that answer at quarterback? And like I said, Xander, man, he's right. They go to the combines in Indianapolis, okay? And the Eagles sit there and they watch these guys throwing the ball. All of a sudden, Kenny Pickett is just absolutely impressing everybody. Then you watch some of his game tape. And you sit there and you go like this because you know they're going to overvalue the position. Pickett is going to be potentially in the top three picks. I'm saying that the guy Thibodeau in Oregon is going to be the number one overall selection because there's a need in the NFL also for pass rushers and edge rushers. There's going to be a need like that for that, okay? Ron says, if you have a chip in a chair, you have a chance. Absolutely. In the post, you just never know who's going. Hey, by the way, doesn't COVID all of a sudden play a factor now too? Look at all these organizations having to deal with this outbreak stuff. It looks to me like also, too, you got to put that dynamic in the room. MJ says making the playoffs is a priority. You know what? I didn't answer it. I'm going to do it now. I do, too. I do, too. I think everything takes care of itself if you, if you make the playoffs. The quarterback decision and everything else will be determined in these next four weeks if the, if the Eagles make the playoffs. Right now, they're sitting in the nine hole. I believe they're in the ninth spot right now in the NFC playoff race. Washington, believe it or not, the team that the Eagles are playing this weekend is in the seven hole at six and seven. Same record as you. So this conversation that we're having about the playoffs, it's a real conversation. This is not like pie in the sky stuff. This is not pie in the sky. We're, we got the same record as the Washington Redskins going into this weekend. Jeff says, playoffs, please. I'm, I'm with you, man. X says, Jason Avant thinks the Eagles are done with Jalen. They're done with Jalen? So you're going to roll out Jalen Rager, and you're going to keep putting that guy on a roster, and you're only going to give this guy one year to start, and you think Howie Roseman is going to blow up a second-round pick and blow that guy off the team? You're ridiculous. You're high. That ain't happening. Howie wants a chance to build the roster. Then he'll evaluate the quarterback. Believe it or not, he's looking at it like this, in my opinion. Well, we got all these draft choices and all this money coming up, and Jalen's doing a decent enough job to win us ball games. How about this? Let me say this to you here. How much better do you think Dak is than, than Jalen? Let's, let's go there with this. Okay? 
What would Jalen Hurts be like on the Dallas Cowboys? If Jalen Hurts played on the Cowboys, would the Cowboys have the same record, yes or no? Wow. That just popped in. If Jalen Hurts were the quarterback of the Cowboys, would the Cowboys have the same record? By the way, we're going to ask Seth Joyner all this stuff, too, in hour number two. I want to hear from you guys here. 6ix9ine says, I have a hard time believing the quarterback factory manager won't be drafting a prototypical quarterback in the first round. David says, yes. The Cowboys would have the same record. Muhammad says, no. Anthony says, Hurts on the Cowboys wouldn't be better because the Eagles have a better run game than Dallas. Good take. T. Lewis says they'd be worse. X says Dak equals a veteran version of Hurts. More playing time, you're saying, right? X, more playing time, more repetition, more opportunities. Will he be better? You see, what you'd want to think about, too, if you're Howie Roseman. Think about this, guys. You know, I'll give, let, let, me, let, me, let me give you guys a really cool comparison. And it comes with what you guys have done with this show. Xander said this, I don't know, a couple months ago. Dude, where this show has come from where we started back in April to where we are today, it's light years. It's light years. Let me ask you this. What is Jalen Hurts going to look like next year if given an ability to be able to continue the process, the reps, Learning how to read defenses. Patrick Mahomes is just telling people now this year he's really learning how to see the field better. I mean, what year is he in now? All this stuff. Hey, remember when Vic came to Philadelphia? He said, I had never really learned before in my life how to read a defense, and nor did I understand how to prepare for a football game. And he learned it under Andy Reid. Right? Andrew says, Eagles haven't reached their true potential in the running game yet. Well, Anthony, you know what that comes with, too? It's something that I started to show off with, with situational play calling. I think some of these guys, man, they get lost in these games, and they lose their patience. The one thing that you can tell with very young play callers, and the Eagles are notorious for this as well, how many times... You get down 10 points or you get down seven points. All of a sudden, Philadelphia panics like they did in the Giant game. They panicked in that Giant game. They absolutely panicked. And then they started throwing the ball. They ran the ball for over 200 yards in that game, but they had four turnovers because they got out of what they were doing. They got to stay to here. There's only one play caller, and there is only one team that sticks to their identity come hell or high water, and by the way, they're going to stick to their identity, whether they win or lose. Who is that team? You guys know who it is. You don't have to sit here and think about it. There is only one team that, if you think about it right now, there's only one team in the NFL that sticks to their identity. They, 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 they don't wobble anything. 
they're going to be that team from the first minute of the football game to the last minute. Matt P., correct. Chalk it up, Sports Philly, correct. The Patriots, Greer, excellent. The Patriots refuse to leave their identity, no matter what the situation is. Now, do they adjust inside a game situation? Is there one of the best game situational play calling football teams of all time on both sides of the ball? They're adjusting on the sidelines there, and it is spectacular the way they do it. However, they don't come out of their identity. Three runs on a Monday night football game last week. And you, you got quarterbacks around the league bitching about the play calling, even though the Patriots won the game against the Bills. Guys, they're never going to fall out of who they are. The Eagles kind of do. I saw the Rams. You know why that game got close? You know, I'm watching that game early, Rams and Cardinals, and I was going like this, man, the Rams have this team, and they're beating them up. All of a sudden, what happened? Kept throwing the ball, kept throwing the ball, kept throwing the ball. Kept throwing the ball, kept throwing the ball. What happens then? You know what happens? You give the other team possessions and a chance to get your ass back in games. That's exactly what went down. Dante says, Mike McCarthy guaranteed. He always says, do your job. That's Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, Mike McCarthy had a guarantee, no doubt. Midwest Eagles fan. If there's only one thing that's great at situational play calling consistently, can we really criticize our coaches for that? Other quarterbacks still get it done with average play callers. Yeah, so like your point would be like with Mike McCarthy and with Aaron Rodgers, okay? I think Mike McCarthy is a very questionable play caller in my opinion, all right? I do. I think he's a very questionable play caller. So the question that we threw out at you at the top here, I think it's more important to make the playoffs because I think everything else takes care of itself. I really do. I want to expand a little more on Doug Peterson's comments about Jalen Hurts. I do. I, I, I want to hit on that because I think it's important also, you know, that you, you understand how organizations think. Also, Shade Khan had some comments about Urban Meyer. I want to hit on all of that. Don't forget, Seth Joyner will join us at hour number two. Please hit the like button. Guys, you've been absolutely spectacular. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? 
I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. National Football Show. Your boy, Dan Silver. I'll get to Doug's comments here in a sec, but... So Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, is giving Urban Meyer an avenue to bail. He was asked a question yesterday, and you know me, I cut right through it. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, make this thing look better than what it's not. When you hear an owner going, hey, you know, I'm not going to make a rash decision. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take my time and evaluate. The guy just fucking got there. And you're already disenchanted with the guy as a coach. There is no way that this ends well. I think Urban Meyer's checked out. Questioning coaches, hiring a strength and conditioning coach that had racist tenure or a tone to his comments that he was talking to the Iowa players. Whole thing with Tebow, let alone the chick thing at the bar. This guy acts like, you know, I mean, he's a prima donna. This guy was all show. I'm telling you, he's the biggest bullshit artist in college football history. And 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 people, for whatever reason, why do you think Urban Meyer went to Fox Sports after the whole fiasco with Ohio State? His assistant coach was beating on his wife. Numerous reports with the local police in Columbus have it sketched out where there were numerous issues. Meyer did nothing about it. He did nothing about it. Then when it broke publicly, that's when the shit hit the fan. 
And that's all of a sudden when one of those health issue things pops up. Look, I'm not going to sit here and bag on a guy if he's got health issues. But how convenient is it all the time for Urban Meyer? Every time that there's some shade being thrown on him, that he he comes up with some excuse to bail. Hey, you want to know something else that I always held against him and why I really don't like the guy? My opinion, and by the way, I have no proof on this. I just got people telling me this. I personally think that people inside that Gator organization set Cam Newton up because Urban Meyer wanted Tebow to be the face of that team, and everyone knew in Gainesville that Cam was better than than, uh, Tim Tebow. And they came up with this dumbass laptop thing. It was a complete mistake, and he had a bail. They threw him off the team. Tebow gets the job. That, to me, okay, I'll always hold that against it because it sounds like Urban Meyer. And believe me, my opinion, Tebow being on the Jaguars was that final payment to Tim Tebow for winning those national championships. It's just a theory I have. Just a theory. That goes way back. Can you imagine if Tim Tebow ever came out and said, yeah, I kind of knew that story too. The laptop thing with Cam was a setup. I always thought that that was a setup on Cam Newton. I really did. But this guy here, man, I, I, I said it in September. This has no chance of success. This has no chance. Hey, B. Lizzle. Chris Leak got fucked over for the Heisman Trophy that year. They won the national championship, but everybody always goes like this. Yeah, Tebow won two national titles. No, he didn't. Chris Leak was the starting quarterback on that team. How people, how people forget, you know? And that's what the narrative is. Tebow won two national titles. No, he didn't. He was on two national championship teams. William says, fact, Sills, because after Tebow, he left because of health issues, but then turns into the coach of the Buckeyes. Bro, absolutely. Had health issues. Remember that bullshit he was doing on the sidelines with headaches and stuff? And all of a sudden, he bails. Now he's the Jags guy. Come on, man. Come on, right? Okay? Come on. We're not that dumb. I know you think we're dumb, and that's why you play us like we're dumb. You know, hey, 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 Chris, absolutely everybody's got a past. Absolutely. Okay? Absolutely. All right, let me move on to Doug Peterson here. You know, I, 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 think, they were, I think they were the comments that I was listening to when he was on with Angelo. I think it was IP, okay? And... You got to hear it because he's like, he was asked the question. Angelo asked him, he goes, Jalen Hurts have a chance to be a franchise quarterback? And he went like this. Well, yeah, you know, I think he can get there. You know, when when, when you watch a player like Justin Herbert play, watch this. Dude, that guy's got a chance to be a superstar football player. He, he, He has got a chance to be a Dan Marino type of guy that can just throw the pill down the field. He is some good-looking football player. Okay, same thing. When you see Kyler Murray, you're like, wow, man, he's more elusive than I thought. 
He's more accurate than I thought, and he really does a great job in the pocket, doesn't he? Do you really need to have these gigantic epiphanies to go? When you watch Jalen, don't you see this? Watch. I see a really smart guy playing quarterback in the NFL with limited talent, but knows how to win. Is that, is that a fair assessment on Jalen Hurts? Okay? Very elusive, mediocre arm, headsy guy, outstanding leader. Isn't that him in a nutshell? Andrew says, Hurts scares me. Sirianni needs to simplify the offense for him. Demand that he takes checkdowns. And you know what's crazy about that too, Andrew? Man, Brady is notorious on the checkdowns, isn't he? William, it's not shade. Chalk it up, Sports Philly says, actually spot on. Here, let me do it again. And then, and watch this. And tell me if you think um, uh, I'm going overboard. When I, when I look at Jalen, and I see Jalen Hurts and his ability, average arm, average accuracy. Now, can those things be improved? Can you improve your accuracy? Yes. Can you improve your strength in your arm? Those are two things that can be improved. If you work hard, you can improve those things. Outstanding versatility. Great runner, right? An open field. Leader. Absolutely. Smart. Should have put that number one. I think what he's getting by with right now are his smarts. I think this guy has been in so many situations. Um, Pam Hurts. The mom who comes on our channel all the time. What was it? Five different coordinators in six years he's had? Man, you have to be exceptionally smart to do that. Hey, Stone, don't forget he's a power lifter. I saw that video when he was at Oklahoma. That dude could squat some, um, he could squat some weight. Mott says, spot on with Big Chris. That's crazy. A lot of people don't realize this, but it usually takes three to four years for the game to slow down for the quarterback. That's a great take. You know, it's a great take. The game is slowing down more and more for Patrick Mahomes. He's just so gifted. Yeah, I know. Hey, Big Chris. Yeah, he squats 600 pounds. I saw that, and I know the strength and conditioning coach at Oklahoma, and he validated that. It may be like 615, something like that. He, he's, he's a powerful dude. You're not going to bring him down with arm tackles. So, I mean, no, know this. I mean, that's how they de developed Montana. I told you guys, that's how they developed Joe Montana in San Francisco when Joe was working with Bill Walsh. Remember all those times? By the way, when you see quarterbacks rolling to this day and you see those guys rolling to their right, that's because they're asking them to only have to manage half the field. And when you only have to manage half the field, okay, it, it makes the game easier for you. Then, as you see the game, maybe in year three, like you guys are saying, okay, year three, then you're able to go through your progressions. 
The next time you watch Tom Brady, when he comes to the line of scrimmage, this is something that Jalen still has to work on here. Okay? He's got to work on those progressions. You know, he's a two-read guy right now. Easy says there's a complete difference in the Eagles quarterback throws and other teams' throws. Other quarterbacks all have NFL arm talents. There's no question Dallas Goddard's best game and best showing this year was with Gardner Minshew. Okay? Is that fair? X says, I don't want my quarterback running. Hey, Ty, look look, look at Lamar Jackson now, getting beat up a little bit this year, right? Big Chris says, Mahomes rolls right and throws left. I know. Hey, and sometimes he even throws with his uh, opposite arm. He's ambidextrous. The guy's a freak show. He is, man. He's just, he is really a talented kid. He is a smart dude, man. You know, I, I, Patrick, you know what's crazy? People are going like this this year. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert's a better quarterback this year than, than Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, so wait a minute. If you were to start your football team right now with a quarterback, you would take Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes? Not me. And I love both of them. Not me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the guy in Kansas City. The guy in Kansas City does special things. Not And again, no shade on Justin, but that guy in Kansas City is going to the Hall of Fame one day. Hey, Justin Herbert may too. He, he, he may go to the Hall of Fame as well. Okay? Absolutely, man. 215 says, quarterbacks have great success. I missed that one. I apologize there. Big Chris, Chiefs will have the number one seed. Watch. Watch watch them. Hey, what, what do they have, four in a row now? What do they have, four wins in a row, right? He, they're, they're getting hot. Anthony, scrambling is one thing, okay? But how many running quarterbacks truly last? And when they run, they end up getting their faces kicked in. Look at what happened to Steve Young at the end of his career. Young is probably the greatest running quarterback of all time. Okay? The way he won games, the way he won that Super Bowl. Lamar's in the conversation, but he's not as accurate as Steve was. Steve was a special guy. Just an absolute special guy, man. I mean, the way he threw the football, just great. Five in a row. Benny, really? Five in a row? Wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, I got that marked down here as one of the comments we're going to make today, too. That's a Thursday night game, too, isn't it? Chiefs and Chargers? Wow. That is going to be... And You know what you love at the end of the NFL season? I love that the league has made these all divisional games as we're getting down to the end of the stretch run here. Dom says Andy Reid does his best coaching in November, December. Oh, absolutely. Belichick, too, though, right? Marcus, look how much better Randall Cunningham was when he went to Minnesota. You had Brian Billick up there, too, right, with Dennis Green. Those guys really did a great job with him, didn't they, Marcus? Plus, they had Randy Moss and I think Chris Carter on that team. <laughs> hey, you're going to catch a lot of footballs when you got those dudes on that team. And what's that other guy? They had another guy named Reed there, too, or something like that who was another their third wide receiver. They were pretty good up there, man. Chalk it up, Sports Philly. I love it, too. Dan ups the stakes. Man, that's a, that's a great Thursday game. 
Look, look at all these divisional games, NFC East games. You know, somebody may get, actually get the playoff card out of the East. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Somebody may actually get a wild card seat out of the NFC East this year. Do we agree? Jake Reed, that's it, Omar. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Stone. Don't we agree, okay, that this year here, okay, and this week here is going to determine this weekend, Washington versus the Eagles. This is a playoff game. The playoffs start for the Eagles this weekend. Is that fair? Playoffs start this weekend. They're in the seventh seed. This is like a one-and-done tournament now. Okay? This is a one this is a one and dunner. After that, season's over for the Eagles, and you can start looking at potential guys that maybe you want to sit or maybe you want to take a look at. Right? Kevin says true. Eagles gotta win out. I agree. I think the Eagles have to win. Imagine if they win 10 ball games. They gotta win four in a row, man. Against some pretty good football teams, too. O line's the best in the league. Easy. You got to be in that conversation to sit there and think this. Hey, I don't care what anybody says. I got the best O line in football. And if I got the best O line in football, that gives me a chance to win ball games. Right? That gives me a chance. All right. Carson Wentz has a gargantuan game this week. And I want to hit on him and his play so far this year. A little more on Washington and the Eagles. Guys, please hit the like button. Don't forget, Seth Joyner will join us. In hour number two, keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yeah, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Football Show. Before I get to Carson Wentz, a little bit more on Washington and Philly this weekend. I want to throw this at you here. You know, I brought this up yesterday and I want to re-hit this. By the way, speaking of hitting, please hit the like button. And don't forget hour two, we got Seth Joyner joining us. Aaron Rodgers has had another spectacular season. Just another spectacular year. I mean, right now, they're the number one seed in the NFC. Okay? This is after the horrible game against the Saints in the opener. Missing the game because of COVID. They're still right there at 10-3. and Remarkable. He's having a spectacular season. Okay? Spectacular. He's got to beat one guy. He's got to beat one dude. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, man, I know the Super Bowl is important to your legacy. You got to beat that guy in Tampa. You got to win against him. You have got to beat that guy. The Super Bowls, no doubt, you have to have it. But when you beat a guy who's considered one of the greatest athletes in American sports history, every fucking game you get into with that guy is the Super Bowl. You don't think when Josh Allen, okay, you don't think when Josh Allen was playing the other night against the Buccaneers, he was doing this. Man, got Tyler Heineke can retire now. He beat Brady, played Brady great in the postseason last year. I'll tell you what, man, he's a gamer. That won't be an easy game this weekend for Philly. That Washington, hey, that Washington and Philadelphia game this weekend will be a bloodbath. That's one, that's one of those games. You go to your trainer and you go, make sure there's a lot of eyes for the tubs because we're all going to need it. Because everything's going to be laid on the line because it is a playoff game. Okay? It's a playoff game. But again, Aaron Rodgers has done everything. First ballot Hall of Famer. You got to beat Brady, though, dude. You, 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 that's got to be a bad taste from last year's NFC Championship game and how you got knocked out of the postseason. Aaron outplayed him. Brady made the plays that mattered, though. Brady knew how to manage the game. 
Matt LaFleur kind of in his coaching staff, what did they do, remember? Do you remember that game? They gave up seven going into halftime, and then they kicked a field goal or they punted, didn't go for it on fourth down. They got tight. Brady knew. Remember what I told you at the open of the show? When a guy is in that moment all the time and lives in that moment all the time because he's the GOAT, there's no nights off, man. It could be Jacksonville. It could be Washington. It could be the Jets. There's no nights off when you're the GOAT. That's the one thing LeBron James doesn't understand. He runs around the court kissing his own ass and breaking his arm, patting himself on the back, beating Orlando. And then when he gets crushed and his team, which is 500 this year or right around there, this guy, again, he mopes him, you know, pouts about how, you know, we're not getting the ball rotation-wise. When you're the GOAT, dude, there's no nights off. Goats don't get nights off. Okay? Jordan didn't have a night off. What is the one thing in Philadelphia people remember about Michael Jordan? What is it? Tell me. It's simple. What is your lasting memory, Philadelphia, on Michael Jordan? What is it? Can you tell me? I, I, I mean, I, I think it's a Boy, you better not let me down, Philadelphia. Because if I live in your city, there's only one thing that makes me think of Michael Jordan. 215 says Mamba mentality. Iverson's crossover. There you go, Paul. There you go. There you go. Crossover. I'll never forget that. Hey, Mott, you bet, baby. Iverson. Bang. Broke broke Jordan's ankles. That dude broke Michael Jordan's ankles, man. I was like, holy shit. Man. AI, man. Man, I love that guy. I love that guy. Six foot, 160 smoking, 160 pounds soaking wet. Went out there and balled every single night. Throwing it down, man. Hey, he won that playoff game against the Lakers. Had no right. That Sixer team should have been swept. The team, the Larry Brown team that made it to the finals, should have been completely swept. <laughs> what was that, game two? Did he win that game two? Was it game? I don't think it was it. I don't think it was game one. I think it was game two in LA, right? Iverson wins that game. I said, holy shit, man. That is just I don't care what they tell me and how much people love Kobe. And I know people love Kobe. Man, but I love Iverson. He's one of my favorite athletes of all time. The only problem with getting AI on the show is AI's on AI time. <laughs> So when you say 3.30 to him, he'll be like, this is how you get AI on. Hey, dude, can you come on on 3.30 Eastern time? And you guys know that I'm not. It was game one, Dom? All right, it's game one. Thanks, Omar. Yeah, man. Yeah, 3.30? Yeah, I'll be there. Hour later, man. Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I love Alan. 48 points, too. That's right, man. He was so fucking sick, man. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, hey, hey, Paul, I know. I know. You're right. 
And he he tried to do the same shit to Detroit and Boston at the end too when they were in their heyday. He'd roll into those towns and he would take out the whooping stick and beat them over the head too with it. Hey, same thing with the Knicks, right? Every time he got to Madison Square Garden, he tried to drop a double nickel on him. Absolutely, man. Oh, God. Yeah, just great. All right, so Carson Wentz is in that same situation. Guess who he plays against this weekend? I believe it's Saturday. Guess who he has? He's got Bill Belichick. He's got Bill Belichick. Carson Wentz has a chance to erase two shitty years of football in Philly with one game. With one game. One game. The New England Patriots versus the Colts. This Saturday, Wentz has a chance to go against another GOAT. What I heard, I heard Peyton Manning on that broadcast, you know, that Monday night broadcast that he does. And he said something about Bill Belichick and what makes it so difficult to play against a Belichick scheme defense. It's the multiple disguises that they have on their defenses, and they try to bait you. There's so many versatile players on that team, they'll go from a wide nine to a 34, 4, 3, 52. They'll drop to a 35. And they completely will give you this. Watch this. They'll give you a forefront look playing cover two linebackers on the scene. Then they'll take the safeties, bring them up, bring the corners back to the middle of the field, and their outside linebackers are covering the flank and also covering the tight end. They'll do all this stuff pre-snap. You're coming to the line of scrimmage. That's why when Brady went up there earlier in the year and everyone looked at Brady's numbers and they went like this, man, Brady didn't really play all that great to get the win. Remember, it was a doink off the goalpost. You know, Patriots actually were in a position to win that ball game. Hey, we may be rolling towards that game again at SoFi. That might be your Super Bowl. They did have a shot to win that thing. Okay, but his multiple disguises on defense. Peyton Manning said this the other night. He goes, it's exhausting when you play against Belichick. It's exhausting. He goes, you walk off the field after playing against Bill. It's completely exhausting. All these scheming fronts, designs, and everything when it comes to disguise coverages. Hey, hey, William, I wouldn't be shocked, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, hey, I, I I would not be shocked. Went throwing two left-handed INTs. Matt, that was the worst eight minutes of football I have seen in a long time. Okay, worst. Game of Saturday, Paul. I love that type of defense, too. But, but, but for life, you got to know, man. East Cannon, when you when when you have that kind of style on defense, your players have to be so freaking smart. Okay? They have got to be just all plugged into what they're being asked to do. They've got to, they have to know. And by the way, how about the fact that Belichick went out in the offseason and spent over $300 million in player contracts? And all of those guys have fit in. Guys, 
they hit a grand slam with almost every one of their free agent acquisitions in the offseason. It has been it, it's it's been incredible to watch. They're sitting number one. Let me give you the look right here. Oh, and by the way, how do I think Wentz does against against Belichick? Here's what he has to do. In my opinion, if I'm Frank Wright, I play Patriots football. They have the components to play Patriot football. The only way you beat New England is beating New England with their own game. How many times did you see Baltimore go up to Gillette during the Brady-Belichick era and try to throw the ball all over the yard? They ran the fuck out of the ball at Gillette. In November, December, January games, Baltimore had some of the most success, even against some of the best teams of all time. Peyton Manning struggled with those Patriot teams. The Ravens had the most success, sometimes the Steelers too. Okay? You got to play. If I'm the Colts, I play Patriot football. We're going to run the ball 45 times. I got the top back in the game. Derrick Henry's not in the game. Jonathan Taylor is the second best back in the game. Oh, my God. Hey, hey, Mott, what's really crazy, isn't it, that it shows you how great a coach Mike Vrabel is? Titans are still winning. I think they're in the two-hole in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry, and they're going to get him back. They're going to get him back. All right. Seth Joyner's going to join us in hour number two. We are also going to take a look at the seating right now and how it sits in the NFC playoff race. We're going to do all that. Please, guys, hit the like button. You guys have been spectacular. Fastest show, too, also, right? On YouTube right now. Man, that hour went quick. Hour two, right around the corner. Keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yeah, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. National Football Show, Dan Silio. Bottom of the hour. Steph Joyner will join us. Guys, do me a favor. Please hit the like button. Guys have been great. Fast first hour here. You know, I was just sitting before we came on the air here. I was, I'm thinking about how that whole thing is playing out in Jacksonville and how embarrassed you must be if you're a football player in that locker room. Your coach is going around going, I'm a winner. You're not. I'm a winner. You're not. Little does he realize nobody in the NFL gives a shit what you did in college, guy. Nobody cares. Okay? Nobody cares. People are drafted from Mississippi Valley State. Some people are taken from Delaware State. Some people are taken from smaller schools and go on to greatness. Walter Payton, Jackson State. Nobody cares, dude, where you, where you come from and the program's that's your coach. He is just absolutely a loser. He will always be a loser, urban liar. Because you know why? Hey, who would have thought this? Your coach in Philadelphia is 10 times the coach Urban Meyer is. He's a better coach. Nick Sirianni is a better NFL coach than that loser and fake guy in Jacksonville. And we're all critical of Nick Sirianni. Can you imagine Urban Meyer in Philly? He'd have quit after week six. Hey, Mott, if you think Nick Sirianni's a dope, what do you think of Urban Meyer? Holy cow. That is some awful situation down there. Big Chris, man. Hey, college football's great, man. I love it. I love the fact that I performed at a high level at the college game. Nobody gives a shit when you're in that, when you're in that league. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about Heisman trophies. Nobody cares about Lombardi awards. They only care can you play, can you move the sticks, or can you make tackles. That's it. That is it. That's how that league is set up. And when you when you when you watch him going around telling his assistant coaches, I'm a winner. What makes you a winner? You're a loser. You hired the guy, dude. What an uncomfortable situation to be working in. What an uncomfortable situation. How about this? Guys, look at Trevor Lawrence's situation right now. 
I said this about Trevor Lawrence coming out of college. This guy's one of the greatest, most physically gifted players I've ever seen come out of college. And you know what? Urban Meyer inside, I'm going to show you how this works. This guy has spent a lifetime, a lifetime, Trevor Lawrence, winning games, developing his skill set. Since April to today in December, Urban Meyer has destroyed almost every single thing that Trevor Lawrence has done and what people thought of him. You're looking at Trevor Lawrence going like this now. Well, yeah, you know, I thought he was really a great talent coming out of college. I don't know now. And Meyer has done that. I mean, you would think they would look a little better, getting better every week. Hey, Tua got better last year. Tua and the Dolphins got better last year. Did they not? They were winning some ball games. Some of these guys, look at, you're telling me Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. The New England Patriot quarterback who's having an unbelievable year. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, his team's the number one seed in the AFC right now. You're telling me that that guy now has moved ahead of Trevor Lawrence and that guy's going to win the rookie of the year award and Trevor Lawrence isn't? Something's wrong in Jacksonville. Man, trust me, man, you go from an organization. I went from the University of Miami where we lost two games in four years. I go to the Buccaneers. I lost more games my rookie year in Tampa than I lost in high school, college combined. In one year, one year in Tampa. I went like this. This is crazy. This is crazy. I lost more games. I was like, holy shit, man. All right. Let's take a look at some of these um some of these standings and where we are in the NFC. By the way, do me a favor, guys. Remember, you guys have some great takes. We slide it into the content. You guys have been spectacular too, man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Urban Meyer Lansky. I like it, Andrew. Right? Yeah, but I trust Meyer Lansky more. Hey, man. Hey. Jonathan Taylor is a great back, okay? He's the second-best back in the league running-wise. See, I saw a comment you guys were making about Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is a better pass catcher than Jonathan Taylor. So if you're going to look at who runs between the tackles better and who catches the football out of the backfield, Kamara's a pretty versatile back, okay? He's a pretty versatile back. Is he better than Taylor? Depending on what your offense is said is, if you, if you want a guy who's got to catch and he's going to be part of your passing game, then you're going to look at Jonathan Taylor and say, I don't know if that's the guy for me. But if you're like what the Saints and how the Saints used them, coming out of the backfield, running in between the tackles, Alvin Kamara was a, he was a perfect back for that style. Okay? Appreciate you guys all coming aboard, man. Thank you so much, man. Okay, all right. Let me let me let me go into this here. NFC playoff picture looks like this right now. The Packers are the number one seed. 
They're 10 and 3. The Buccaneers are 10 and 3. They're in the two hole. Okay. The Cardinals, with that loss last night, moved from one to three. They're now in the three hole. Know this. There's only going to be one wild card team, or there's only going to be one team with a bye in each conference. So it's Packers, Bucks, Cardinals in your top three holes right now. Cowboys are number four at nine and four. The Rams with that win move into contention again, and they're sitting at nine and four. By the way, get this. They've now inched a little closer, right? Okay, they're inching a little closer to a scenario here where they could potentially win the NFC West. Okay, then you've got the 49ers sitting at seven and six. Okay, you tell me. What's up, Jay? Appreciate you coming aboard. Hey, Jeremiah, I'm with you, man. Hey, listen, I think Kamara's great. I think Kamara's great. Okay, what is the Saints offense without Kamara? What is the Saints offense without a decent quarterback? It showed you this year. That game with the Buccaneers, though, is still going to be a scenario. Okay? Woohoo Cool says, and I thought it was me. Call me California, Xander. Tell Dan he's got to move. <laughs> no, we're having horrible weather out here today, man. It's like storm-like weather out in Southern California. That's what, hey, believe me, man. As soon as my daughter moves back home and we get her out of college, man, I'm going to Florida. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to the Keys, man. I'm going with Jimmy. Jimmy G is beating the Rams. Hey, 49ers are playing well. Seven hole is the Washington Redskins. They're sitting at six and seven. The Eagles are in the ninth spot, also at six and seven. I'm telling you guys, here are the hot teams in the NFL. Packers, Buccaneers, Rams, 49ers. Do you think the Eagles are hot going into this? Okay. Do you think the Eagles, right? Hugh says it never rains in Southern California. Oh, today it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. So my daughter's coming home from college tonight, too. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, she's a rugby player at Grand Canyon University. Holy cow, man. And she always asks me about, like, tackling and playing and, like, hitting people. She's like, Dad, did you enjoy it? I go, yeah, I did enjoy hitting people. Yeah. I used to tell her, too. I go, when you play football and you play in, like, a position where you've got to hit folks, that's not a position, folks. It's an attitude. It's, it becomes an attitude. The great defenses have an attitude. They will always have an attitude. I got to say this to you also about Aaron Donald last night. Aaron Donald's going to the Hall of Fame. And he, he, he I thought last night, really set the tone for the Rams. All the COVID issues that they had, there were numerous players, uh, Jalen Ramsey, if I'm not mistaken, okay? And you know what? I talked shade on him going into that game yesterday, right? I talked some shade on him. 
because I don't really believe that he plays the run. But in today's NFL, you don't have to play the run, guys. And maybe I'm doing a disservice to Aaron Donald by saying Donald's not a complete player. Well, playing the run is not something that defensive tackles have to do. What's more priority today? Playing the run or pass rushers? The Eagles are going to be looking at an edge rusher, right? They're going to be looking at an edge rusher. Yale, I get it, man. I, I don't agree with it. I think running the ball is a priority. I think you have to run the football. I think the teams that run the football are more dominant. I think the teams that run the football set a tone. They set an attitude. We talk about it all the time on this program. William, I think here's what I think and where they are right now. You tell me if you agree. I think the Eagles are in a position right now. That giant gang just absolutely still leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It just leaves a bad taste, man. So I think they're kind of hot. I know, waffling again. Not something that we like to do here on the show. Right? They're kind of they're kind of hot. They're the number one rushed football team in the NFL. Omar says Ed Rusher that crashes down on the run game. Uh, well, you're talking about the kid Parsons, right? I think this kid Thibodeau has the makings of being somebody like that. The Rams will give Dallas all the smoke in the first round. I'll tell you what. The Rams run game. But then again, there's two teams right there, right? <clears throat> there's two teams. Dallas and the Rams that struggle running the ball. So who's got the better passer? Do you believe in Matthew Stafford? Or do you believe in Dak Prescott? I think I believe more in Matthew Stafford than I do in Dak. Even though I think Dak is a fine court. You, you, know, you know what this year has made me think about Dak? Jerry Jones throwing shade today on Dak saying that he's in a slump. You know what I look at Dak? Don't you guys say this? How about this? And I made this comment last year to people after they signed that $42 million per year deal with Dak. Is Dak living up to that contract? Is he, live, is, is, is he a premium? How about this? If you put Dak Prescott on the open market, if you put him on the open market today, could you get a first-rounder for Dak? Yes. Yes, I think you could. Could you get a top 10 pick for him? Yes. Would you would you pay him 42 million? Absolutely no way would I pay him 42 million dollars. There is absolutely no way I'm paying him 42 million dollars, which meant that he wouldn't have been on the Dallas Cowboys if that's the best Dak's going to give the Cowboys over the next five years, the Eagles, with all of their positioning, with their draft choices and their money, in my opinion, have a chance to catch them, like I said, in 2023. Am I crazy when I'm saying this? Okay? Am I crazy? Am I crazy saying this? This is the best you're going to get with Dak Prescott. This is the best. Now, to me, I'm encouraged 
If I'm the Eagles, I'm encouraged if I'm Washington. Can you imagine this? You put Aaron Rodgers on that Washington Redskins team, the Redskins would be a Super Bowl contending team. They're close. You get Chase Young back next year. Hey, guys, Deshaun Watson plays in Washington, and somehow they get him to go to the Washington Redskins. Guys, <laughs> Washington's not far away either. They are not that far. That's a football team that has beat up some pretty good football teams this year. Okay? They have beat some pretty good teams up. So they're not that far out. So when I look at Dak and I hear Jerry's comments today, I'm going to go like this. Hey, man, I don't know. Lawrence says, Dak, a game manager. Man, game manager? Game managers can win games if some of the pieces on the team aren't there. If all the pieces aren't on the team for Dak, he looks very mediocre. What do you have, two picks in the last game? No way. I think the O-line's not as bad as you think. I I'll tell you what, 215, we're going to find out. Okay? We're going to find out this weekend how good that O-line is against the Eagles front seven. $42 million bucks, dude. I'm not paying that money for Dak Prescott. I would never pay that money for that. Man, you, you, you've got to be Patrick Mahomes. And don't give me market price. That eats up my salary cap. I'm not talking about, look, if the market dictates that, you think New England will ever do something like that? You know Tom Brady was never the highest paid quarterback ever in New England. Do you guys know that? Joseph says Dak has so much help on that team. Great old line. Running backs aren't as good as they used to be. Wideouts are fantastic. I agree 100%. All right, guys, please hit the like button. We are going to catch up with our friend Seth Joyner. I cannot wait to talk to him and reminisce a little bit and get his opinion on what this Eagle team looks like this year and maybe a couple of years from now. We'll talk to the legendary Seth Joyner. He's next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Yo, okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back. National Football Show, your boy Dan Stilio. A couple of minutes, we're going to talk to our friend Seth Joyner here. Bruce Arians came out with a comment when asked about Antonio Brown. You know, the whole vaccination card thing. He says, I'm not sure yet. I'm undecided. You know, I got to tell you about Bruce. I'm, Bruce has been on our program numerous times here. If you can't play for Bruce Arians, there's nobody on the planet you could play for. He is one of the absolutely best coaches in the game. And you know what makes him one of the absolutely best coaches in the game? Is that he's got this fondness for his players, but yet also he'll let the players know exactly where they stand and where they are on the totem pole right now when it comes to being on his roster. That was such an asset that I had when I played for Jimmy Johnson. You know, Jimmy can be harsh. You know, the guy that you see on TV on Fox now is completely different than the guy that I played for. And Coach Johnson, man, this guy tolerated nothing but winning. It was just winning. Jimmy didn't care about anything. It was all about putting your best effort, about being prepared. The preparation that we did, it was all about it. Bruce Arians has a lot of Jimmy Johnson in him. And this is why when you're a player on that Buck team or any team that Bruce Arians has been involved in, and by the way, I think he's handling Antonio Brown right. Antonio Brown, how many times have we seen this, guys? Antonio Brown is a Hall of Fame talent. But sometimes that's not good enough. When you want to get one of those gold jackets, guys, it takes more than that. It takes being a leader. It takes being a guy out front. Remember what I told you? When you're in the NFL, these NFL teams are not looking for cabooses. They don't want to have to pull you along. They want guys that are going to pull their team along. They want guys that are going to be out in front and lead. When you've got a whole crew of them kind of guys, man, nobody can beat you. Those are the kind of guys that you're looking for. And Arians knows how to deal with those guys. Look, he talks to Antonio Brown the same way that he talks to Tom Brady. 
look, everything, and I tell people this all the time. This is what makes Mike Tomlin such a great coach, too. Mike Tomlin's not going to treat anybody any different than anybody else on his roster. He looks at it this way. When you get your paycheck every Tuesday, that's what separates you. That's not my job to separate you when it comes to which guy means more to a team's success or not. I'm going to treat you all like men here. And that's exactly how Bruce does it. There's certain coaches, like we were just talking about Urban Meyer. Guys, there's, there's coaches like that who don't get it and don't understand what it's about to be in the National Football League and talk to guys making professional money. And then there's guys that sit around and understand their roster and who they are and what they are. There's no question about it. All right, man, I couldn't wait for this. I, I have to tell you, man, it's been really a just absolute honor to get him on here. And I, I'm going to do something here for him. And I hope that he really likes us here. By the way, guys, please hit the like button here too. Seth Joyner joins us. Seth, I'm going to do something here for you. <laughs> and I, I, I got to put, I got to put the JB hat on here before I start talking to you. And I want to take you back to a moment that I was, will always remember I was in Brooksville and I brought my then girlfriend, now my wife uh, to my friend's funeral. And I'll never forget this. Every single Philadelphia Eagle and Miami hurricane was in this place in Brooksville. And we were all sitting there. Reggie got up and spoke. We all threw our ties in and I'll never forget that. And I'll say, and I said this to this day, and I tell people this, Seth, all the time. I'll never forget the love that you guys had for my friend. And I know how close he was to you, Jerome Brown. Welcome aboard here, and thank you so much for doing this. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Man, he, you know, I mean, just just give me a little bit of you playing with him and what that was like. And, you know, you know, a, a, a life taken too soon. But, man, he just loved playing with you guys. I used to get him on the phone. He goes, Dan. It's just great playing up here with these guys. These guys were a lot like we were, but now we're here at the NFL level. Well, listen, you know, he came he came in with a lot of hoopla, you know, after a story career in Miami. Um, but the guy quickly became, you know, the lifeline, the leader of our defense. A lot of people would believe that Reggie, that that fell to Reggie. But to be honest with you, you know, Jerome was the guy. You know, Reggie liked to have a lot of fun. Reggie was like a big kid, uh, a big kid, you know, at, at a little kid in this big man's body. Um, but Jerome, he had a presence about him. Um, he had a way about him. Um, he was endearing to the entire team. And that's something that's necessary to be um, a leader. And, you know, I came in, you know, a couple of years before Jerome and, um, I always viewed him as kind of my, like my little brother. Um, and it was a tough loss for me in particular, because, you know, we live right next to each other. There were many mornings where, you know, I was, I, I was notorious for running late to practice, you know, <laughs> and, you know, he'd drive by and he'd call me, he'd honk the horn and let me know, Hey, it's time to roll out. You ought to be right on my tail, right behind me right about now. Um, and to, you know, lose him and then all of a sudden realize that that guy is not going to be driving by honking or calling you anymore. I mean, it was it was it was really rough. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together. 
Um, I, I viewed him as my little brother. I used to talk to him all the time. I said, man, you have no idea how great you can be. I said, you know, I've got some skills, but I got to work at my skills. I said, you have greatness. You know, if you would just work out a little bit, if you just get in shape to these little nagging injuries, I'm like, they can't touch you. They can't do anything with you. And unfortunately, that offseason when he passed away was the first offseason that he really committed himself uh, to working out. You know, Otho Davis sent me some videos of him riding a bike in the gym, working out. And, you know, he had just gotten to that point in his career where, you know, he was getting it. Um, that it's, it's way beyond just your, your physical talents and, and abilities, but it's a whole commitment. Um, mind, soul, body, and spirit, you know, to this game in order to be great. And then just like that, on on um, on uh, June 25th, you know, it was over. And, um, you know, we as a team was, were devastated. I was de devastated as a friend and a brother. And, um, you know, I, I think that feeling never goes away. I still miss him every day. Me too, man. I mean, I check on his son, D, all the time in Orlando. And, you know, I, I, I give and do something every single year for the uh, golf tournament that they have, too. So let's move on to this uh, current Eagle team. Are you a believer? I, I asked Jimmy Johnson this question the other day, Seth, about Jalen Hurts, and I asked him if he thought that Jalen could be a franchise quarterback. He's still not sold yet on him. Are you? Well, I think that they botched the process. Um, of how you develop a quarterback. So when you watch a quarterback, a young quarterback like Jalen Hurts, um, have a roller coaster year, um, it's it's not totally unexpected for me because of how they went about the process. Um, they asked him right out the gate this year to come out and throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. Massive, massive mistake. It took him seven weeks to figure out that we got a young quarterback who's still learning, who hasn't seen all the coverages, who haven't seen all the rotations, who haven't seen all the blitzes, who hasn't understood, doesn't have a clear understanding of all the protections and everything that goes along with that. And yet you're asking him to operate, you know, like a five-year veteran. So after seven weeks, they figured it out. They started running the ball. They took some of the load off of his shoulders and things started to look better. Um, Particularly, I, I, I can't remember the game. He had a pretty good game in the first half. Um, um, I believe it might have been the, the New Orleans game. In the first half of the New Orleans game, he, he threw the ball well. Um, and, and they got up and they just kind of went the four-minute offense in the second half and, you know, really just ran the clock out. Um, but if they would have started that way, in my opinion, you know, when I, when I think about how to develop a, a quarterback and what the process is with young quarterbacks, I, I, all you have to do is look at the New England Patriots. They took the same blueprint that they used for Tom Brady, and they're now using the same blueprint for Mac Jones. Now, I'm not saying that Mac Jones is going to be the next Tom Brady, but think about this. If you go back, when Tom took over, when Bledsoe got hurt, they had one of the top three defenses in the league. They were a tight end-centric offense, and they had a stable of running backs that they could throw at you on first, second, and third down, okay? So all Tom had to do was manage it. Now, he made some throws, and he played well, but those first two Super Bowls they won, yep. that was more because of what the defense did than it was what the offense did. And over time, Tom began to evolve and, 
you know, the spread offense of the Indianapolis Colts forced the New England Patriots um, to move from a tight end centric offense to a more spread offense because every single time that Peyton Manning and that offense had the ball, they could potentially score. And the New England Patriots had to keep up. So now you got Wes Welker in the slot and, 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 and all of these things. You still got the two tight ends with Gronk, you know, and Hernandez, but they've kind of, they've essentially spread, spread the defense out and they're forcing your hand. You look at Mac Jones and you go back last week and you look at that game against the Buffalo Bills. The New England Patriots ran the ball 44 times and only threw it three times. And I get the weather and all that kind of stuff. But think about the genius of it is of, of Bill Belichick and what this is going to look like moving forward, okay? Because now you've got an established running game. You can't forget those tight ends that he went and got. They look just like uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, okay? He's taking that same offense and he's using that now to make Mac Jones comfortable because when teams are going to have to prepare for that part of their offense now. So now that you can run it and you got to put seven, eight guys in the box, when you go play action pass, Mac Jones is going to be sitting back there patting the ball like Joe Willie, you know, because the pass is going to be there because you're going to have seven, eight guys in the box. So now as he continues to see it all and grow you're going to see that offense expand because the guy is a bright quarterback. He's He knows where to go with the ball, and he doesn't make bad decisions, okay? Philadelphia Eagles should have developed Jalen Hurst the same exact way, the same exact way. So in, in my opinion, they've kind of wasted a whole season here where they could have been developing him the right way because their intention and their belief is, oh, you got to throw the ball in order to be an elite offense. The more and more I watch football, in today's football, the more and more that I believe that we're beginning to revert back, you know, to what football used to be. You run the ball to set up the pass, okay, instead of throwing the ball, getting the early lead early, and then running the ball to run the clock out. Well, what happens when that doesn't work? What do you do? Just keep throwing it like you've got no sense? Make yourself one-dimensional for defenses? You know, so, um, I, I listen, the jury is out. You know, the question is, are they going to spend one of those three first-round draft picks to go draft a guy that no one feels is is, is a top-20 quarterback this year? Um, are they going to mortgage those draft picks and go after uh, Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson and bring that guy in with a 35 to $40 million contract to eat up a significant amount of the salary cap? Or are you going to come back with Jalen Hurts for another year build him the right way and improve this roster with these three significant drafts draft picks in the first 15 picks. You know, you know, and Seth, what you said about the coaching, this is what I try to tell people situational play calling. Like last night I was sitting there going like this. Why aren't the Cardinals running that team off the field? The Rams are, they're prone to have dominant teams at the point of attack, run them off the field. What happened? They got into situational play calling where they were throwing the ball, throwing the ball. They got away from Connor like they got away from the first part of the game. And that goes into this question then. Well, okay, Doug Peterson may have been the guy then to develop a Jalen Hurts because why would you have a training wheels head coach, training wheels coordinator, a first-year quarterback, you're not running the ball. There was a game, 
upset that they only had the running backs run the ball two times. I was like, I've never seen that four right four times. I've never seen in bitty football college or pro football a team run the ball four times like that. I thought it was crazy. Do you think they made a mistake in how they developed him? Like you said, you think they did. So does that go back to the firing of Doug? Should they have really kept Doug in for this development? Because now we're training a coach too at the same time. Well, let me let me start off by saying I don't believe that I don't believe Jeffrey Laurie fired Doug Peterson. It, I, I'm of the opinion that Doug told him to go kick rocks. Okay. Because you know, I I think that I think that what wound up happening is they came in, Howie and Jeffrey came in with a plan, and they expressed that plan to Doug, and Doug wasn't on board with it, you know, and they tried to force the issue. And Doug was like, hey, I got one more year left on my contract. I'm a Super Bowl winning coach. I can get another job somewhere. If you guys are not going to let me coach my team the way that I want to coach my team, I'm already at a disadvantage. Howie makes all the decisions, personnel decisions. Now you're delving into my my area as a Super Bowl winning head coach, and you're going to try to tell me what to do? Take it. You know, I'll go sit out for a year and, and get a job elsewhere. Um, plus, I don't believe that Doug could have survived, you know, another year like last year. He couldn't have survived being six and seven right now. You know, the media and everyone would have been calling for his neck on, you know, on on a, on a on a chopping board. To be honest with you, and I think that he realized that, and he realized it was time. You know, this that thing had run its course, and it was time to move on. Um, but you know, you can also look at to your point you know, who they hired, you know, you go and get a guy that's never been a head coach before, who's never called offensive plays before, and you bring him in as the head coach. You hire a defensive coordinator who is a DB's coach who never called these defenses before, and you put these guys in these positions. Now, I don't blame the coaches because, Dan, if I called you tomorrow and said, no, hey, no, man, I'm, taking I, the I need, I, I'm like, hey, I, you yep. know, I got the head coaching job, you know, for a team. I need you to come in and, and, yep. and coach oh, my defensive lineman. What are you going to yep. do? You're going to take the job. Absolutely. So I don't blame I don't blame the coaches for not being prepared and ready for the position that they were thrust in. I blame Jeffrey Laurie and, and, and Howie Roseman for putting these coaches in a situation that would be difficult for them to overcome. Now, we know that they're in rebuild mode, and they, but they're not going to say that. You know, but when you what you saw early in the year led you to believe, hey, you know what? They might not be in rebuild mode if they can stay healthy at the offensive and defensive line positions and they can call plays the way that, you know, it benefits Jalen Hurts. Well, hey, maybe they can make some noise. Maybe they can do some things. Think about all the early games that they lost that was right there for them, you know, to be had. They should be over 500 right now when you really stop and think about it if they just would have made the right play calls offensively and defensively. And I won't even exonerate Jonathan Gannon. You play too passive, man. You play too <laughs> passive. Your, your defense your defense is very vanilla. They talked about it, you know, in training camp. Oh, you know, we're just showing this vanilla because, you know, we don't want to show our hand. The same damn defense that he ran in preseason is the same – five or six defense that he's running right now, and he has no ability to adjust to what's going on in front of him. They're either going to rush four or they're going to get in their five-man line. They're going to drop one of the guys out. 
Are they going to drop one out and bring a linebacker? Now you got a defensive end out there trying to cover in space, and, and quarterbacks are taking advantage of it. They probably got three blitzes. You know, um, they play off the ball seven, eight yards. I mean, that's automatic for any quarterback who's got any kind of any kind of football knowledge. If guys off seven yards, hey, I'll take that six yard out all day long. You know, so it, it's just it's just a plethora, plethora of things. Um, and like I said, I don't believe that Doug Peterson was fired. I believe that he walked away, and I believe that you know this hire was made so that they had someone, had a guy that they could control and tell him how they wanted this team to look and what they wanted the team to look like. Now that's going to run its course too, because any coach knows, hey, I've got, I've got a process of what I want to do and how I want to do it. How long are these guys going to be peering over my shoulder, um, telling me how to run the football side of, you know, of the game when I've been coaching, you know, 12, 14, 15 years. Two last questions for you here, Seth. Let me throw this at you here. You bring up Howie Roseman. You know, the Darius Slay move looks like it's working out. They're going to have 11 picks in the upcoming April draft. They're going to have, if I think Wentz plays five snaps this weekend, three picks in the first round, they're probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Give me your assessment on how, again, just the coaching staff, the way you just laid it out, how he constructed it. I mean, it just looks, I don't know. This looks like there's too much in the front office that you're trying to win games from the owner's box and the GM's box too much. There's like too much control with these guys. How do you see him and how he's constructing this team? Do you trust him? Are you talking about Howie? Yes. Well, I thought, I think that, you know, the heat was ratcheted up last year. The, you know, all the movement that he did in the first round, moving up, moving back down. I think they knew all along that they wanted Devontae Smith and they figured that they can get him at 10. So they moved around, picked up some, some picks, got back to where they really wanted to be. And there was no way in the world that Howie's not taking him because the board says that's the next guy to take. I think that Howie is done with going, you know, AWOL and making picks just because he believes that this guy can be something that he's not. He's made that mistake with Jay Jaw. He's made that mistake, you know, with, with Jalen Rager. Um, every time that we watch, um, you know, Justin Jefferson, I mean, Philadelphia fans just lose it. You know, because, we, <laughs> because all, we think, I mean, all we think about is what could have been. Yeah. Had we just taken the best guy on the board at that time. Um, so I think Howie's in that place right now where when you look at these three picks, you know, they're going to look at what they need. They're going to look at what's available. And I think they're going to take the best available with these three picks. I don't think that, you know, he's, I, I don't see him picking a guy and the, the Eagles fans and, every, and the media and everybody's kind of scratching their head wondering what's going on. I think that he's he realized that he's beyond that. You know, no one's going to fault him for taking the guy who slotted at that spot when it's your time to pick. You know, they're just not. Um, but I do believe that two out of three of those those picks need to be defensive players. You know, and I think that I think they need to go get a playmaker, linebacker. You know, I talked about um, I talked about Micah Parsons pre-draft last year. 
I said, that guy, he is the type of player, you know, and I'm not, and I'm, 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 I'm using him in reference, but I'm not comparing him to those guys yet because as great as he's played this year, you know, he's got to prove it over time. He's a Ray Lewis type of guy. Yeah. He's a Luke Keekley type of guy that the minute that you put him in your defense, the way he plays the game, it changes everything and it raises the level of every single player on that defensive on that defensive football team. Because when they watch him fly around and they watch at the level he plays, nobody wants to be less than what he's doing. So he raises the, the competition level on the entire roster just by the way that he plays. The Eagles need a linebacker like that, okay? They need one. And there's certainly going to be one within those three picks. The question is, does Howie really not value linebackers that much? Has he really not seen how Micah Parsons has impacted that Dallas Cowboys defense, whether he's playing defensive end or whether he's playing middle linebacker, okay? He impacts that defense in a myriad of ways, and the Eagles need one of those types of linebackers, okay? Right. The next thing I think they need is they need a defensive end. I mean, a pure 4-3 style defensive end. Like the guy in Michigan? Yes. A guy that's 6'6", 6'5", 275 to 280 pounds, okay? Not this tweener. Yeah. They, they got a ton of those guys. Not the tweener. I'm talking about a pure pass rusher, a guy that you can look at that guy and say, okay, that guy's going to give me 10, 10 sacks every single year and probably another 30 or 40 pressures, okay? That's what they need. And then they can go any direction they want on the offensive side with the other one. I'm, I think that they probably go, you know, with offensive line depth, given all the, the problems that they've had and what they need. I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that, that Brandon Brooks can recover from where he's at now and whether they trust him to come back for another year, um, given, you know, his, his two year absence, you know, because of injury. So um, if I'm, you know, and I see one of your one of your guys says safety corner. You know, absolutely, those are areas that they can address as well. Um, you know, they've got too much to get done, in my opinion. Um, too much to get done in improving this roster to not use these picks in the right way. You don't need it for a quarterback. You don't need to trade these assets away. You need pieces, okay? Because whether you whether they call it retooling or we call it rebuilding, that's truly where they are, okay? And they're gonna, I think they're going to be okay on the offensive side of the ball. I really do. I just think that they need massive improvements on the defensive side of the ball. And the, the best place you can get that, you know, there's some good safeties out there. Go get you a guy that can play in the box, that can play in the hole, a guy that's a hitter, that's a, a game changer and go and get you a linebacker for the first time in I don't know how many years that's an impact player, not a guy that you just plug in there and hope that he makes a boatload of tackles. Absolutely, man. I mean, the guy Thibodeau would be a great edge rusher up at Dorkin, and that kid Hutchinson would be a great, you know, edge rusher too coming out of the 43. Hell, you could probably even play him in a 34. You know, and that leads me to this. You mentioned Parsons finally here, Seth. You know, I mean, I'm wondering, and I didn't realize until you said it, you see the team, you know, I'm covering them now, kind of I'm looking at them now, that he doesn't value linebackers. To me, that's the heart and soul of a defense. You don't have linebackers scraping, 
you know, lines line to line. I mean, you, you're not going to have any kind of defense. Do you think he held it against Parsons for opting out of the 2020 college football season because he was preparing because of COVID? And that was one of the reasons, or do you really believe that he's a guy who's going to build the team from the perimeter in you and me know this, you're not going to build a championship team from wide receivers in. You're going to build it from the center out. That's how you build a team. Is he really just that against linebackers? I just think that, you know, you got to remember, um, Howie Roseman was brought up by Joe Banner. So go all the way back to Joe Banner and tell me yeah. how many linebackers do you remember Joe Banner ever <laughs> drafting in all their years, okay? Yeah, right. Because, because when you have a – a defense coordinator like Jim Jim Johnson, and you got a all-star Hall of Famer like Brian Dawkins that you can plug in and get him to do everything that you would need a linebacker to do, why would you bother to, to see the importance of the linebacker position? But the game is continuing to evolve to a point now where you don't see three linebackers on the field anymore, Okay. For all intents and purposes, every single defense in the NFL, they can talk 30 front, they can talk 40 front. You know, you may see a five-man line every once in a while, but the truth of the matter is nine times out of 10, 99% of the time, teams are a 4-2 front. That's what they are, okay? So if you don't have two linebackers and at least one of those guys that are hellraisers, you're going to have problems, okay? You're going to have major, major problems, Um. And that's the problem that I think that Howie misunderstands is that you can't just get guys that you plug and play. You got to get guys like when I look at Davion Taylor, Davion Taylor has a lot of potential to me, a lot of potential. And the guy he reminds me of, he reminds me of Michael Kendricks. Mm. He's got speed. He'll hit you. Um, He's raw. You know, when you watch him play, you can tell that he's still learning how to play the position of linebacker. But, man, the guy is fast. And, man, when he decides that he's going to lay the boom on you, he can bring the wood. Michael Kendricks was the same way. You know, I always felt like, I'm like, man, if I could get my hands on Michael Kendricks for, like, six months, I feel the same way about Davion Taylor. If I can get my hands on him for six months, I can turn that guy into a perennial all-pro. Because right now, he's got all the skill sets that you need to play in a 4-2 scheme, okay? He can cover, he can blitz, he tackles, but he just, his eyes are untrained. He's not sure what he's looking at. When, when, he, when he knows what he's doing now, oh, he's out, he's 120 miles an hour. But a lot of times he's playing at about 70 to 60 miles an hour because he's just not sure. He's not believing what he's seeing. Um, so it's just, you know, you, you hit the note, you hit the nail on the head when you said they just don't value the position. I mean, I think the Eagles have felt that way about a couple of positions that, you know, not only the, the linebacker position, but they felt that way about, about the, um, the running back position. Yeah, right. You know? and, 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 you know, hey, even, Seth, even, I like their guys, but they're just, watch this and no disrespect to anybody. They're just dudes. Well, listen, they're good. I'm upset. I'm not no disrespect, but when I see those guys, I mean, I'm like this. That's not Alvin Kamara, you know what I mean? That's not, that's not a Derrick Henry, or that's not like a bell cow guy. They're they're good, but they're dudes. Well, I think, you know, 
See, I think what they've done is they've tried to figure out, you know, what most, like most teams have done. You know, they don't want to get caught in a situation where you draft a running back in the first or second round and get caught in a situation like Dallas finds itself yeah. with, 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 with Ezekiel with Elliott, you yeah. know, because if you draft a guy that high and he plays lights out and he's your every down running back, guess what? You don't have to pay him 14, 15, 16 million dollars a year. They don't ever want to find themselves in that situation, you know. So what they do is they try to piecemeal it. Yep. Okay. You know, you had Jordan Howard, you know, your battering ram sitting on um sitting on the practice squad for damn near seven weeks. Okay, when you should have had him up because it's because you knew that Kenneth Gainwell was a a, a weak link in the in the passing game because what do teams do? They're not going to allow him to come out of the backfield and do his thing. They're just going to blitz him. Yep. So when they blitz, he can't pick up the blitz because he don't understand protections. You know. So what they should have did was put him on the on the practice squad, okay, or Boston Scott on the practice squad because in my opinion, you know, they're, they're similar. The thing you have is you have your battering ram and and Jordan Howard. You got a guy like Boston Scott when he's healthy, he can do a little bit of both. He can run it between the tackles and he can get outside. And then you got Miles Sanders, in my opinion, who is just the home run hitter. He doesn't really want to run the ball inside. You know, he wants to get outside. So you use him in that way. But every single time he touches the ball, there's a potential that he can take it, you know, take it the distance. So he's an important piece. But when you when you're drafting your your running backs, I mean, Miles Sanders is what, six foot? Yep. You know, 200, 211 pounds, you know, his durability. You got to think about the durability. And I think they're cognizant of it because when you, this last game, when he had 24 carries, that's the most carries he's ever had. He usually averages somewhere between 15 and 16 carries a game. And they must have some kind of some kind of um, some some kind of analytical data that says the probability of him getting hurt with touches above 16 or 17 touches go up dramatically because you'll see if you just go and you look at the stat line and look at how the Eagles deplore, you know, deploy their running backs. Those guys very rarely get more than 15 to 16 touches a game. And I think that's by design. Okay. But then you look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor and every, every fan of Philadelphia would probably say, man, I wish we could, we could have one of those guys. You look at like a healthy, look at a healthy Saquon Barkley. And, and we say, oh, man, wish we could have had one of those guys, but they're never going to draft those guys high enough because they're afraid of the salary cap ramifications three to five years down the road. Absolutely. Hey, guys, do me a favor, man, because I'm going to check it out tonight. I just love listening to Seth. Join him on YouTube tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, for the Seth Joyner Show. You can catch him over, I'm guessing, over also on IG. You can follow him also on Twitter at Seth Joyner. Seth, it is – I've been looking forward to this. I've been trying to run you down, and Gary Cobb goes, hey, man, why don't you try to, why don't you try to reach out to my boy, my boy Joyner? I go, man, I've been trying to run this guy down for five years. He goes, Here's, here, here you go. So just so you know, man, Cobb and I played high school football in Stanford back in really? Connecticut together. Yeah, well, he's wow. older than me. He went to Southern Cal. I went to Miami. And, yeah, he's from Stanford. We're both from Stanford. I said this, Seth. If Gary Cobb could go to Southern Cal, I could play Division One football. And he is one of my—he's one of my idols as a kid when I was a young guy. 
guy was drafted really late, played like 11 years in the NFL, and I love Gary Cobb. Seth, I hope you'll do this again, man. I mean, you were just spectacular, and thank you so much, my friend. Hey, Dan, we'll do it again. Um, I just wanted to let you know, you you know Gary will, really well. Gary was my mentor when I came in the league. I, I attribute a lot of my success to him because he was one of the few older guys that took the younger guys under under his wing and taught them how to be how to be a pro. Um, so I, I just I had him on my show last week, and um, he was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and um, you know, hey, bring bring some of your questions over to my show. I'll be I on will in, in, in a little bit today. I'm not. I don't have any guests on today. Today is is what I call Talk to Him Tuesday. So I'm taking all of my viewers, all of my listeners, you know, questions, and we're just going boom. We're going to knock them off. We're going to run it for an hour and and take the best questions and answer them up. There you go, man. Make sure everybody checks it out. I'm going to check it out. I still say Cobb looks like Cameo, but that's for another show. (laughs) Hey, Seth, thank you, brother. You got it, man. Let's do it again. You got it, man. The great Seth Joyner, man. A lot of fun here, man. A lot of fun here, man. I hope everybody had a lot of fun. Make sure you go over and check that out tonight, too, man. Gave him a little honor there, too, man, with our boy Jerome Brown. Guys, it was great. Thank you so much. Please don't forget, hit the like button. We will catch you tomorrow, 4 to 6 Eastern time. And please, if you missed any of the show, you know, show it to your friends. Watch it a little bit later on. Rewatch the Seth Joyner interview. We so thank you guys for coming aboard. And we'll see you on the flip side. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.